Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football today. Well, the bowl season kicks off today. Five great bowl games on top. Ten through next Friday, December 21st. Welcome to College Football Today, brought to you by Bet DSI. Golisi, Ritz, Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci going to take you through all of today's top action. Give you our best bets. We'll talk about the college football playoff and all the bowl games on tap. Rich doesn't get better than this. The lower tier bowls, this is where we see solid matchups and might get the best action of the bowl season. Yeah, one of the concerns that we have in the bowl season, Joe, is uh, motivation. Not today. Uh, Once you get to these uh, second tier bowl games, they're highly competitive. These teams... The North Texases, they don't get a major stage. They don't get an opportunity to play in front of a national audience. Uh, the One of the only games that's on all Saturday. So North Texas, Middle Tennessee, Appalachian State, Fresno State. These are the types of schools, Georgia Southern, Eastern Michigan, that we'll see today. And that's very exciting for those teams. And I think it's great for those of us who love the bowl season because this will be passionate, competitive, energetic football. Yeah, and great landscapes that you don't see each and every Saturday. Some teams in the Mountain West, the the UNLV, that stadium there for the Las Vegas Bowl. Great landscapes. Uh, and the 40 bowl games culminating up until the national championship game on January 7th provides an opportunity not only to watch, but to gamble on these games yeah. and more action. And, oh, and yeah. that's where you see the line movement and you see some of the uh, Vegas uh, angle come into play in some of these ball games And Uh, We spoke about it before in terms of players stepping out. Nikhil Hayari for Arizona State will not play. Daryl Henderson for Memphis out for that ballgame as well. That has a a big factor and impact not only on the outcome, but on the Vegas angle. Yeah, it really does. And and you know what? I've, I've said for years, you know, bowl season is it's part this season. It's a lot of next season. So when a Daryl Henderson steps out and, and leaves for the NFL draft, it means more reps for Patrick Taylor. You know, so if Nikhil Harry, he's not going to play against Fresno State today, but Kyle Williams and those other Arizona State receivers, they get more reps. They get more of an opportunity to shine. Will Greer's not going to play later this bowl season for West Virginia. Now we get a chance to see Jack Allison, the Miami transfer quarterback. So, yeah, on one level, it kind of sucks. We want to see the Stars play, but on the other level, it's a chance to do some advanced scouting for 2019. And when you look at not just the players, but the coaches as well, well, that's a factor. Scott Satterfield now for App State and Matt Wells, now the new head coach for Texas Tech, will not be on the sidelines as they take on the Mean Green. Gabe, how does that impact the lines uh, from the Vegas angle in terms of perspective, in terms of handicapping these outcomes? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, one thing you can do, you can't, you can't say that you can blindly bet any trend or you just do this or do that. You bet every underdog, you bet every favor when it comes to bowl games. But I'll tell you, over the years, interim coaches struggle. And, you know, it's hard for the kids to buy in and run through a wall for, for a school, for a program, for a team when when the coaches leave. And it's just it just is. Subconsciously, I don't, I don't know, you figure, all right, some, once in a while the kids will play for each other. But... I'll tell you, you know, I agree with what you guys were saying as far as these early bowl games, because let's be real. I mean, you know, the bowl games, I love it. I'm as fired up as could be today. I'm really excited for some college football. I'm more fired up this week than I have been in a while uh, for some college football. I'm excited for these games. But the big-time bowl games, these kids don't care, all right? They care more about the National Football League. They care more about the draft, and we're seeing this. More and more now. I mean, now we got quarterbacks not playing in the bowl games. So it's almost like the kids finally caught up to the coaches and said, all right, the coaches don't care. So you know what? I don't care either. I got to think about myself. But I like what Rick stated. 
I love this is first Saturday of bowl action. Kids on North Texas, there's probably one or two kids, right? They're going to make it to the National Football League, maybe. This is the National Football League for them. Today is. They care about these bowl games. I'm telling you what, a kid on Michigan, you think a kid on Michigan is losing sleep because he doesn't beat the Florida Gators? Nope. When he's getting ready for the combine? Come on. Nope. Right? Kid on North Texas, it means everything to them. It means everything in Middle Tennessee State today. These kids, this is the biggest game that are going to play in their lives, some of these kids. And that's why I love these early bowl games. And we spoke about it before in terms of if you're going to handicap these matchups, you want to take teams that are motivated, teams like Wake Forest, teams that are 500, that want to go out with a winning record to end their 2018 campaign. So I think that's that's a factor when you break these games down from the handicapping perspective. The other thing, and we spoke about it off camera, was when you see a player like Will Greer step out and not play in the bowl game against Syracuse, I said it that this could possibly lead to the expansion of the of the college football playoff because if we do expand it to, say, 16 overall teams and now West Virginia has a week one matchup in the playoffs against Alabama, there's no way Will Greer is taken off in terms of preparing for the NFL draft. Yeah, that, that, that could be the fallout for sure, right, Gabe? Yeah. yeah, no, you guys are right. It's a good point, Joe, actually. Until it affects the television numbers, right? Until it catches up where people stop watching these games. Yeah, I think we're such a niche market that honestly, you know, I've always talked this since like football. Roger Goodell could knock on your door, punch you in the face. You're still going to watch the games in three hours. And you know, it's funny, guys, with the steroid use in, in cycling and, 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 you know, the Tour de France and all that type stuff, they actually care. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, in baseball, the media gets mad. And you know what happened? The television networks told the Tour de France and the powers that be, we're not airing this. We're not in Germany. They said, we're not going to air the Tour de France anymore because it's too corrupt. You guys need to clean your sport up. We don't want to air this anymore. That would never happen. That would never happen in America, obviously, because of the monetary game. But it's a good point to raise, Joe. Until ESPN takes a hit in these bowl games with their television numbers, you know, these players will continue to do that or at least you know, the, the system will say, stay the way that it is. Because let's be real, these bowls are all made for TV, right? Yep. I mean, ESPN yep. owns 34 out of the 38 yep. bowls or whatever the hell it is right now. This is TV. And the same thing, too. They kind of do the kids a disservice sometimes. The stadiums will be half empty. Yep. They don't care once again. It's for television. There'll be millions of people watching and betting on these games. They don't really care if there's six people in the stands. I think it does the kids some disservice sometimes. And, and and Gabe brings up a great point because we've seen half-empty stadiums for the past decade, yeah. and we're going to see it again today. We'll see it over too the next couple games. of weeks. There's too many damn bowl games. That's the problem, and I think the kids have picked up on that as well, Gabe. That's what really pisses me off is they've diluted the product so badly. Back in the day, I'm not saying we go back to 15, but back in the day, it was a true reward to go to a bowl yeah. game. If, if you had 15, 16 bowl games, maybe 20 bowl games, you were like, damn, we're one of the top 35. 40 teams. I want to go. But when there's 39 and you have six and six teams, the kids have picked up on the fact that this is largely a product designed for ESPN, for, you know, uh, uh, Holiday Inn, for local hotels, for restaurants. Yeah, yeah. It's all economically based. And to the credit of the kids, they have now realized that, wait a second here, everybody's benefiting. Coaches are leaving. The hotels are benefiting. The bowls are benefiting. We have bowl committee chairmen that are making six and seven digits at the top of these bowls. And I got to go play one more game. And one point I want to bring up too, it's no longer just about injuries. Let's not forget, this is the generation that has gotten a head start on everything. This is the generation that now as true freshmen are leaving high school early in order to participate in spring football. These kids are not just afraid of being injured, Gabe. They also want a head start on the NFL draft. They're like, hey, listen, if my competition is going to be working out with a trainer down in Arizona, that yeah. long before the NFL combine, damn it, I want that opportunity too. So this is going to be a problem that does That's not go point. away. That's a great point. You know, look at Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills. Not a big-time quarterback. You're right. Kids on Alabama right now. How many kids on Alabama? It's a great point you raised, Rich. And as we love the Bulls. We're just being real now. How many kids on Alabama are thinking, man, yeah, this is cool. I'm in the Final Four. But, man, that DB from Cal – right now is with that coach that I want to be with. Yep. He's at that camp that I want to be at right now. 
he's gaining ground on me. It's a great point. And also, when we talk about the kids as well, like you said, it used to be a man. I remember like growing up, it was like, man, Michigan better win this bowl game. Now it's like whatever. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it is what it is. But if you're a student and you're a fan, are you supposed it's Christmas time? It's the holidays. Are you supposed to travel and spend money and sit in a half-empty stadium and not have that atmosphere? I, know I love this stuff. You know what? I will just get this party started by saying, bring back the blue-gray game on Christmas Day. <laughs> East-West Shrine game. The, game. <laughs> the Astro goes, Blue Bonnet yeah, Bowl. That, that, those bowl yeah. games were great oh, as a yeah. kid growing up. I mean, the All-Star Tantorine games. Tangerine Bowl. Yep. Yeah. It, it all goes, listen, all of this goes back to Joe's astute point, which is, Change could be in the air because if the bowl season gets a little weaker and a little weaker and and it does impact TV ratings, it might be incumbent upon the NCAA and the committee to yep. say, we need more meaningful football in December yeah, and January. We'll, we'll see how that could be the fallout. Yeah, we'll, Joe, you're right. If, if West Virginia is in the playoff right now, the top eight, they're like, Will, you can't go. Yeah. He ain't going. Yeah. He's like, I can win a national championship. Instead... Hey, I got to think about myself. Everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. And it goes back to the point of if you're in that playoff type of atmosphere, explain that to an NFL GM or a scout saying you backed out of a playoff type of atmosphere with a chance to win a national championship to think about yourself. How can you lead our program or our our franchise on the next level? So that's what I was that naive guy a couple of years ago. I don't know. Guy skips the ball game. If I'm an NFL team, I have to wonder about his character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll see. It's, yeah. it's an intriguing. is that now, guys? Yeah. Yeah, it's True. very intriguing. I mean, we have we, we, we are right now two weeks away from the college football playoff matchups, Alabama and Oklahoma, and then Clemson and Notre Dame. I mean, dynamic uh, ball games uh, across the board. I think when you break these games down, though, Rich, one intriguing factor for me, and when I look at all of these, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, on the road or on a neutral field site, 18-0. I mean, that's a dynamic number. Oklahoma, as well, has played well on the road. Their only loss did come to Texas in the Red River rivalry. But when I break these games down in terms of margin of victory, Alabama won their six games by 33.1 points per game. You look at Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, 38.1 points per game. Notre Dame, 20.5 points per game. And OU, 11.5 points per game. Now... That's the one atmosphere or factor that I think when you break down Oklahoma, can they step up against that rock-solid offense and defensive line in uh, Alabama? I don't believe so. In in fact, I, I would instruct, since a lot of what we talk about is lines and gambling, and that's what makes the games infinitely yeah. more interesting, regardless of the matchup or the location or the size of the audience. If you got money on it, it matters. I, I would recommend to, to our audience – Go put money on Alabama now because that line is going to skyrocket prior to December 29th. I, 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 if you can get 14, 14 and a half now, go bet Alabama now because I think they are going to absolutely obliterate Oklahoma. Nick Saban has almost a full month to prepare for one great player, but one player in Kyler Murray. And that defense of Oklahoma has absolutely no shot. I don't care if it's Tua, if it's Jalen Hurts. When you look at the talent that they have at wide receiver, those young receivers that have developed so well throughout the season, and the running, we don't even talk about the running backs at Alabama anymore. We don't talk. (laughs) Who has a better trio of running backs than Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, and Damian Harris? So I I think Alabama can name their number. And, And Gabe, this is for you, by the way. How about first half Alabama against Oklahoma? I mean, how much of a lock is that going to be? You know, it's interesting, actually. We talked about that all year. What it got up to 10-0, and 0, I believe, until uh, Final what two. was the cup game? What was, oh, Citadel, yeah. Citadel was the first team to cover in the first half. That's Alabama somehow. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, <laughs> and then Auburn did as well, actually, after. Yeah. And, and Georgia did. We've seen the trend, actually. They haven't covered for three straight games. I agree with what you guys are talking about in the sense. It's funny. You look at the line. It's gone up. There was 12 and a half out there. It's up to an even 14 right now. What's amazing to me is the total, 80 and a half right now for that game. I wow. like the over. Yeah. Would, is is this Baylor, Texas Tech show? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. wow, 80 and a half. You know, remember what Derrick Henry did to the Jags uh, a week and a half ago <laughs> and he was stiff-arming people and pushing people over? I see the same thing. I think if you're Nick Saban, who's yeah. very Bill Belichick-like, and which he'll, he'll mix it up. If you can't stop the pass, hey, he'll throw the ball 28 times. You can't stop the run, he'll run the ball 62 times. 
I think they're going to look at Oklahoma and say, listen, we're going to keep Kyler Murray on the, uh, on the sideline, and let's just run the ball down their throat. They won't be able to stop it. I think it's going to be the physicality. That'll be the difference. Oklahoma is going to score in this football game. But to me, the difference is who's going to get a couple of stops. I hate to use the analogy of arena football, and I know it upsets Marshall Falk when I tell him, hey, it's arena league stuff now. But that's what it is. You get a couple of stops, and you win football games. It's almost like, you know, all right, the other team's going to score five or six times. You know, there's no, you know, there's no, much, no, no such thing as, oh, we gave up four touchdowns, you have a bad defense now. It's, you don't judge it by that. You judge it by how, how many stops you can come up with. And Alabama's going to come up. They're going to mix in four or five stops along the game. And I don't see Oklahoma mixing in too many stops. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I agree with that. And I think when you look at the other matchup of Clemson, I said they won their six games on the road by 38.1. It was 31.8 points per game. But I look at the two games that they struggled against Texas A&M and Syracuse where the, uh, both teams were uh, in uh, in a, a, a spot to knock off Clemson in those ball games. Texas A&M passed for 430 yards on that defense and Syracuse and Eric Dungy passed for 250. So Notre Dame and Ian Book are going to have to attack Clemson over the top of that defense it's a different time of the year too I, yeah. I mean i think clemson's a very different team than it was a month or two ago I, they have evolved kind of like we would expect under Dabo sweeney if you were going to get clemson you had to do what syracuse did i mean you yeah. knocked out trevor lawrence it was earlier in the year but as i've watched clemson the young quarterback trevor lawrence the ability to run the ball with travis Etienne, the back seven of that defense they keep getting better and better and better i don't know if nd has enough yeah we'll pick it up on the back end when we come back we'll be joined by jamie heath from sports brokers keep it where it is Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. start of the 2018 bowl season welcome back to college football today brought to you by bet dsi joe lisi ritz and gabe morenci we're joined right now by vice president of sports brokers jamie heath he's been giving us his picks and selections all season long he's been rock solid dead on the money jamie how are you today I'm great, Joe. How are you guys doing today? Oh, this is what it's all about, Jamie. Bowl season, five great games today, 10 through next Friday, provides fans the opportunity to bet and win some money. I mean, how do you see today's actions shaping up? Well, uh, we got, like you just said, we got five great bowl games to start the card out today. Uh, we're looking at a couple of conferences that are actually in play today. Uh, the Sun Belt's got three teams playing today. So we're going to find out how these conferences fare against the other conferences starting today. And we'll be able to gauge probably uh, throughout the bowl season uh, as far as betting, as far as covering spreads, as well as just teams winning. We're going to find out today. I mean, last year there were certain conferences that were excellent and there were actually you know, obviously certain conferences that were really bad. And uh, Pac-12 was definitely one of them last year. So we're going to see uh, how these conferences fare today. We're going to start seeing that. Amy, give me your general mindset in terms of bowl season. Uh, and it's always a moving target. Uh, we now have players that are sitting out games. Nikhil Harry, Arizona State, being a prime example yeah. for this Saturday. Uh, Joe talked about it in the first segment. You have coaches that are leaving, not just head coaches, but uh, coordinators leaving positions. What's your general take on bowl season? How you approach it from a gambling angle? 
You know, every every year, Rich, it's it's funny you say that because a lot of every year the coaches, a lot of coaches obviously accept uh, better jobs, more prolific, prestigious jobs. In the case, obviously, today you got the coach from Appalachian State. He's leaving to go fix uh, Bobby Petrino's mess in Louisville. You got the coach, uh, Utah State. He's leaving to go coach Texas Tech, uh, which I didn't really agree with Cliff. Cliff Kingsbury getting fired. I didn't like that. I, I thought he deserved to stay. But, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Nowadays, we talked about it last week. We said certain players are going to sit out bowls. And sure enough, literally 10 minutes after I got off with you guys, Will Greer decides he's not playing and the line moves seven points. So it, as a betting perspective, you really got to look at these things and take these things into consideration. More so, obviously, with the players. But this Fresno State-Arizona State game, yes, the, the receiver, Harry, is out. He's uh, obviously declaring for the pros. He signed up with an agent, so he's out today. But uh, this game, you know, the line six and Fresno State, yeah, they were impressive. Tedford's a great coach. But, again, this is uh, Herm Edwards' first bowl game. I really love the job they did. This team didn't lose a game by, by more than seven points. As a matter of fact, four of their losses were exactly by seven points. And their other loss was to Oregon. They only lost by two. I think this is a good spot for Arizona State actually getting six points today. This is one of my plays. Jamie, when you look at the actual uh, landscape in terms of the bowl action, a lot of ple- people play confidence pools where they, they pick the games from start to finish. But from the gambling angle, because of what you mentioned, the players stepping out, isn't it better to wait for the day or maybe a day before the bowl, like not putting a lot of these games into, say, parlays where you, if a player moves out, the line can move anywhere, like you mentioned, seven to ten points, depending upon which player uh, decides not to play. You're right. You're right, Joe. And obviously, when you're dealing with those confidence pools, you can't you can't do that. Obviously, you have to put them in before the first bowl game starts. But as for a betting perspective, yes, it is uh, uh, better to wait actually for the day of the game in a lot of cases, unless, of course, you really like a team and you can get fortunate. I just happen to like Syracuse getting the seven and a half. I I thought they would cover against Will Greer anyway, because West Virginia, quite frankly, doesn't play any defense. Syracuse was moving the ball pretty much on everybody except for Notre Dame. And you got to take into consideration. Dungey got hurt in the first quarter in that game. That might had a, might have had to do a lot with that game as well. So I was fortunate enough to get that seven and a half uh, in the game. Now, obviously, the line's pretty much a pick 'em. I, I like Syracuse to win that game right now. But uh, like you said, Joe, I think it's probably best in all cases pretty much to wait uh, for the day of the game because you never know certain players might decide not to play. So it, it's a shame because I really feel it hurts the Bulls and it, and it hurts the program. I mean, it's a shame that Will Greer is not playing in that game. I really think he should. Yeah, once a quarterback goes, I mean, that changed everything. Uh, you know, we, we, we saw Christian McCaffrey, J- uh, Jadavion Clowney a couple of years ago. We, you know, we, Ed Oliver, it, it stinks. But when a quarterback, yes. a prominent yeah, quarterback star- goes, exactly. I, that could be something that's a harbinger of things to come. And, and it's something that's yeah, going to really, be worth it really watching. Sh- it's a shame. It's a shame because, you know, like you say, Rich, you know, you're talking about the star player. He is the absolute star player of that team. He's the, uh, you know, the heart and soul of that club. And he pretty much is the engine that drives West Virginia. So it's a shame that he's not playing. And it, and it, and it affects the bowl. It really does. And Well, think about the, the economic you know, impact. Think about the economic impact. I was going to say, yeah. So much pleasure, money but you're right. But, you know, we talked about it earlier off the top. And if you're a kid, you know, like we said, you're not just thinking about yourself in the future. It's that – you know, am I going to do this essentially for ESPN, right? I mean, what? So what? I get a, I get a Nintendo Nintendo Game Boy and and a, <laughs> and a backpack, right? I mean, they, you know, and especially Will Gray's got a family. Um, it's it's true. There's just there's too many bowl games. It takes some of the shine off. But we say this now. And once you watch the games, yeah. you know, we won't be thinking about Will Greer. No. Once that football game starts, you know, we won't be thinking about Will Greer. That's what I love about these games. And I'm, you know, I sort of, I'm old, old school and cheesy like that. I love watching a, a six win team get to seven. I love watching kids like, it actually means something to them. And they're going to be telling people in 22 years, I won the Cure Bowl. <laughs> I was in the Cure Bowl. I won. <laughs> And tell the story. We talked about it earlier. Kids on Alabama, kids on Oklahoma. Kyler Murray right now. What's Kyler Murray thinking about right now? Oh, my God. I hope I win this game against Alabama. Or is he like, man, where's there more money? What am I doing? Am I playing football? Am I playing baseball? You know, he's talking to agents. He's talking to his, his handlers. Is he thinking about the game? Yeah, he wants to win the game. 
When he's on the field, he's going to make plays. He's going to try to win the game. But what's he thinking about right now? Money. <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's a shame because uh, this, this wasn't – I mean, obviously always money is a factor and everything, but it wasn't this way years ago. But now it seems You're like right, Steve, you know, Who are we? We're sitting on the couch betting on a game, right? These kids are the ones that are smashing <laughs> their knees. Look at Jake Butt. This, How'd it go for him? True. No, it didn't. Yeah, but you want to know something? It could happen on a football field. It could easily happen on a basketball f- uh, uh, court, too. You know, it's it just so – I mean, a quarterback, obviously, he goes back to pass, and sure, he could get he could get hurt, he could get killed, and he could – you know, his whole career could be over. But, you know, that could happen just about anywhere. I, I hear what you're saying, and sure, you know, it's, it's obviously life-changing money. It's going to be life-changing money for Will Greer. But like you guys were saying earlier, I mean, also, you know, when the GMs go to draft this guy, what's it say about the guy's character? when he doesn't want to play in the, in the final game of his career. I, don't, I mean, that's, you know, it's another thing to think about. Jamie, we know you have a great package on tap, not just college football, but college basketball. Why don't you tell fans what, what, what they can sign up for today? Absolutely, Joe. Today, uh, we've got a great day. Not only do we have the five bowl games, we got two NFL games, both of them, which I absolutely love. Plus, we got a huge college basketball slate that's starting in an hour and a half. We got that uh, Villanova Kansas game. Have a strong play in that game as well. Want you to call us at 1 800 220 6262. Visit our website. Join our website at thesportsbrokers.com. We turn outcomes into incomes, and we got a strong, strong game to, uh, day today, I should say. Yes. There's a, another bowl game that I, I'm intrigued about. It's that Tulane-UL Lafayette matchup. It takes place in Orlando. You have a contrast in styles, a methodical offense in Tulane uh, that wants to run the football and more of a, a traditional pro-style offense that wants to attack vertically with UL Lafayette. I, I like the over in this ball game as well. I mean, what do you see in terms of breaking down this matchup? You know, it's funny, Joe, you mentioned the over. I'm on the opposite side of that, by the way. I think this game's an under. You mentioned Tulane as a ball-control-type, running-type team. I watched them against Memphis. I was very impressed with their game against Memphis. They ran all over them. Yeah, the score was 40-24, to 24, which ended up, would be an over in the case today because the total 61.5. Weather's going to play a factor in this game, too, by the way. 80% chance of rain. I think you're going to see rain in this in this game. Louisiana Lafayette also does like to run the ball as well. Yes, they are more of a pro-style offense, but they run the ball more than they throw the ball as well. I'm leaning towards the under in this game, by the way. And uh, as far as the side, I happen to lean towards the, the dog in this game just because it's, it's, again, a state rivalry type matchup. The game's played in Orlando, but these two teams know each other. And Louisiana Lafayette's actually covered the last five times these two teams matched up against each other. So I have a slight lean towards the dog, but I really do like the under in this game. So I'm against you, Joe, on this one. Uh-oh. One of, one of the great aspects of the Bulls <laughs> for me, I mean, I, I love to kind of get into coaching matchups because – You know, when you're a small school and you're a small school coach, these are high profile opportunities to make statements. So North Texas, Utah State, Matt Wells has already used his season with the Aggies to get that job at a Power 5 conference, Texas Tech in the Big 12. But Seth Luttrell, underrated at North Texas, some people thought maybe a candidate for Kansas State, maybe a candidate for another Power 5 school. For Seth Luttrell in North Texas, a huge opportunity to potentially upset a Mountain West team and for him to enhance his resume as well. You got you got it, Rich. And uh, it also shows the program that, you know, he's sticking with North Texas. Like you said, he had a shot to go to Kansas State. So the kids are obviously going to play pretty strong, uh, hard for him, you'd have to think. On the flip side, Utah State. Wow, what an incredible season they had going. They lost their first game in Michigan State. They very well could have won that game. And they lost their last game against Boise State. But in between, they won every single game. Yes, the coach did leave to go to Texas Tech. This is one of the most intriguing matchups of the day. You know, North Texas, believe it or not, outgained every one of their opponents that they played this year. That's pretty much unheard of. It's never been pretty much done. I mean, it has been done, but it's been quite some time since that's been done uh this should be a hell of a game the line actually dropped four points because the coach did take the job at texas tech i really i'm i'm really impressed with jordan love and i'm also impressed with mason fine this is the game i like the over in by the way i think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game the total 68 i wouldn't be surprised if there's 80 or 90 points in this game it's funny you say that jamie too because north texas were were under machine this year 
And then I think their last two games, maybe. I remember I jumped in a day late dollar short. Of course, the game went over the number uh, when I went. It was against Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic, Atlantic at the Florida time. Atlantic, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, though, Jamie. I feel like there's going to be some points in this football game as well. And not just did they lose their coach, but their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator. Hell, I think the water boy split. <laughs> like, I, I, who's coaching? Like, who do they have? Uh, who's, like, preparing this team? Like that, you know, that's that's, that's great, my issue that's here. Question. I like the mean green. I already have a ticket. In fact, you know what? We'll bust it out. It's, I didn't believe it's in front of me right here. <laughs> I got some paper tickets from the from the sports book here. I already played this a couple of days ago, and I got in on the mean green plus seven and a half. I got it here. I think they can win this game outright, and I, I, I look forward to your. What do you think, Jamie, about these games in the sense that, and Rich and Joe, there's not really a ton of bowl classics. Where we're like, oh my God, man, it went to overtime. And it was like, oh, they went for two for the win. It's a lot like a UFC fight. You know, you're either right or you're wrong, man. One guy's getting beat up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I almost feel like, well, from a betting perspective, yeah, you take the points, but you almost look at the money lines, Jamie, because, you know, North Texas either wins this game or gets blown out, I almost feel. I almost feel like this way with a lot of these underdogs in these games. What's your take on the money lines in these spots? Uh, you know something, Gabe, you made up a great you, – you brought up a great point, and it's true. If you're looking to take dogs today, you might as well just flat out take, take it on the money line because – you said it. When you, when you have these tight bowl games, you're right. These aren't classic bowl matchups. And a lot of times, one team absolutely shows up. The other team just doesn't. You just have to hope that if you are taking the dog and you are taking the money line, that you're getting that team that is the one that's showing up as far as uh, a favorite today. And like you just said, Utah State, who's going to be coaching? You know, you, they, they lost their offensive coordinator. They, they lost their defense coordinator. You know, they're getting back uh, a coach that coached them uh, back what, but three, four years ago, he went to Wisconsin. Then he went to Oregon State and pretty much destroyed their their uh, program for for the last four or five years, whatever. But uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking you're talking about a situation where the Mean Green, like you guys mentioned, Latrell's coming back. He could have taken the Kansas State job, possibly, or another job. He's sticking with North Texas, so you'd have to think that this team's going to play hard. So if you, like you said, Gabe, if you're going to take North Texas today, you might as well just take them on the money line. Or if you take them, you could take both. You could take them with the spread, getting the sevens. If you're getting seven yeah, and a half, and not just that, the line's down to seven. I'm not just saying just North yeah, Texas, but like you said, Jamie, but in all, overall, like, exactly. good example is Lafayette against Tulane. You take in the three and a half? Yeah, okay. Let's take the money line as well, though. I don't know. Maybe you split your bets in two, which guys will do. Because, listen, there's going to be a few games, and watch every game, we have one-point game today. But generally, you look back at bowl scores, and I did this. We did this on a radio show at Cam Stewart. We went through the bowl games last year. I, it was about 70%, 75% of the games were double-digit games. Yeah. And a lot of them were underdogs winning outright. So it wasn't a case where all the favorites killed it all the time. But as I stated, the, the, the sort of, wow, it came down to a field goal. They were few and far between. And you know when they were? All the close games were January 1st. Yep. Big 10 SEC day. The Outback Bowl day. The Century, all that type stuff. You know, LSU versus Penn State and Tennessee, you know what I mean? Those games were the close ones. You look at all these other bowl games, and it's oftentimes, like I said, I'll compare it to MMA. I bet on MMA, guys. You know it in 10 seconds. Oh, God, I'm on the wrong side here. You know what I mean? You know right away. And you, you'll know in college you're gonna, football. You're going to know halfway, through the, you're gonna know halfway through the first quarter in these games whether you're on the right side <laughs> exactly, or, or not. Guys, I like the Ducks last year. You're, you're right. killed them. They ran over them. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I think if I recall, the first the first ten or twelve games last year were absolute annihilation. Yeah, well, I mean, it took a while before we got to a competitive the, the, game. The one competitive game was uh, Texas Tech USF. That one with Quentin Flowers scored it at the last point. But uh, and I wanted to ask Jamie, Jamie, how important is it bowl history? Because sometimes you look at like the Las Vegas Bowl, and I'm with you. We're going to break that game down later in terms of Arizona State being a live dog. But you look at the Mountain West team for the last two years has won San Diego State, and last year with Boise State over Oregon. How important is bowl history in us in breaking down some of these matchups? It is important in a lot of ways, and then in some ways it really isn't that important. I mean, when you look at an Arizona State Sun Devil team, you're looking at a team, obviously, that's they're coached by a, new, a, new, a first-year coach in Herm Edwards 
So I could th you could throw out a lot of those stats that the Mountain West has beat the uh, Pac-12 or whatever in these games. And yes, they have, obviously. And Fresno State, by all means, very impressive. Don't get me wrong. But they're, all, they're, they're two games against the Power Five conferences. They lost to a very average Minnesota game. And yes, they did blow out UCLA. But that's when UCLA was in complete shambles. They had quarterback problems. And that was when Chip Kelly was getting his feet wet or whatever. So... Beware of this game. I, I'm on the Sun Devils in this game. I really think that the Sun Devils are not only could cover like with Gabe, I would take them on the money line. I'd take a shot with them to win the game outright, even though they are missing Harry. This is still Wilkins, uh, their their quarterback's last, Manny Wilkins' last game. You know, I, I, I give them a, a serious shot to win this game. As oh. always, great information and insight from Jamie Heath at Sports Brokers. Call him today for that special package. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other games and the college football playoff. Bill Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci live from Studio 34. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on college football today as we get closer to the start of the bowl season. Most wonderful time of the year. But from before we get back to the coverage, I want to tell you about our uh, sponsor, BetDSI. If you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player pops, where you can utilize the daily fantasy school skills without salary cap constraints. You could even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV. Joe's favorite, The Bachelor, coming back in January, which I'm sure will be included by BetDSI. Or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY100 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. Once you've opened up your account, go to dailyroto.com, click on contact us and send us your BetDSI username and get one month of Daily Roto access totally free. That's access to all sports, tools, and optimizers. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY100 to get your 100% bonus deposit match and one month free at DailyRoto.com. 100% bonus match. That's two for one. You put in 100 bucks, you get $200 into your account. I think it's a great deal. I provided statistical information for The Bachelor. Jesse Palmer, back in the day. Really? Yes. I think and, was, and this year's bachelor, Colton, right. former college football player. Oh, wow. Did Perfect segue with, for our show. He played at Colorado? Or? He, it was in the state of Colorado, but I'm not sure if it was Colorado. It might have been like a smaller did school he, within Colorado. Did he play for, or with Bobby Pesavento back in the day? Uh, that I don't know. Jolly? That I don't know. Earl Charles? All right. I don't know. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I betting on the Bachelor though, in January, I, I could, I could, I yes. could honestly say, in my household, would be a blast. Well, because uh, we do I watch the show, yeah, and, and, and we, we, landscape. we have side wagers in our own household. You? Now you can go to BetDSI and actually have real wagers. I that's think that's great. fun. That's yep. awesome. Uh, we talked about the Notre Dame uh, Clemson battle yeah. uh, briefly, and I think when you look at this matchup, a lot of pressure on Ian Book. But in order to win this ball game. In both of these matchups, underdogs, Oklahoma and Notre Dame, I really feel that they both have to dictate the tempo and score first, uh, especially on Alabama, but more importantly on Clemson as well because the groove that Trevor Lawrence and that offense is in over the last few weeks, I mean, unprecedented. And now with four weeks of preparation, they're going to need to establish the run early, score first, slow, shorten the game and slow down the tempo. Can they do that Remains to be seen, but that's the only way I think Notre Dame can win. This you game. have to run the ball against Clemson. The problem is nobody's running the ball against Clemson. I mean, Clemson is yards. yeah under 100, right? Yeah. 90, 90 something, 92, 93, something like that. But that that defensive front against a good Notre Dame line, but a young Notre Dame line that really 
is going to miss Alex Bars in this type of a game. You know, Clemson, to their credit, Alabama's credit, you know, they're motivated all season, but those kinds of programs, they get ready for these types of games. I mean, Christian Wilkins came back, Austin Bryant came back, Cleveland Farrell came back for this type of a setting. And, and then I also look at the quarterbacks. You know, Alabama's got the Maxwell Award winner. Oklahoma has the Heisman winner. Clemson has a freshman All-American and a surefire future first-round draft choice. I like what Ian Book has done to this offense. He's not in the class of those other quarterbacks. Uh, I, I think Notre Dame competes in the first half and then fades away in the second half against Clemson. Gabe, if you look at both of these underdogs, if you had to pick a money liner in terms of just winning, which one would you throw your money on? I mean, for me, I would I would lean to Notre Dame. But, I mean, you can't rule out the Heisman Trophy winner in Kyler Murray. I mean, if he gets hot and puts pressure on that Alabama defense early just the way Georgia did, he has a shot. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Looks like we lost Gabe. Gabe is signing. He's doing sign language. That's okay. why nobody can hear him right, right now. So we'll wait to get. He's Gabe basically back. saying that Oklahoma has no shot. Yeah. Gabe, you like the over in that? Uh, you like the over, but do you like which underdog would you throw money on in terms of a money line play? Um, I would Oklahoma. I, Oklahoma. I don't think Notre Dame is going to beat Clemson. I, I, I listen. Alabama is the class of all these four teams, but at the same point in time. You know, you look at the way Oklahoma plays, you're going to need to score, right? You're getting in a track meet with these guys. We talked about it. Who's going to get a couple of stops along the way? Kyler Murray and Oklahoma will score on anybody. They're going to score in Alabama. You know, they're going to put they're going to put up 35, 40 points, I think. The question is, how much is Alabama scoring them? So I think there's always a chance. When you can score like that, you know, you've got a, you've got a chance. Oklahoma has a shot, and they really do in this football game. To me, Notre Dame doesn't. You guys called it. You know, Clemson are just suffocating. And, you know, it's like a black hole. <laughs> it's just it's like a Bermuda Triangle. You go into that, you know, orange Bermuda Triangle, and you just sort of get suffocated. And I think Clemson are a better football team than people realize. And Clemson aren't intimidated by, no, by, uh, by Alabama either. Kelly's done a nice job over the years. But, I, you know, that Alabama game, and Rich, you talked about it. He can get you here, but I don't know if they can take that next step right now. I think Clemson is just going to be too much for Notre Dame. And I'm not ready to lay 14 with Bama here. I'm looking at the over in that game, as you mentioned, Joe. I think there's going to be points. I think Oklahoma can trade points with Bama. I think Bama will come up with more stops. But if I if you're asking me which team I think has a better chance, if I'm rolling the dice, someone says, hey, you got one money line pick. Here's a free hundred bucks to put down on it. I'll take Oklahoma over Notre Dame. See, I would take Notre Dame strictly for the sense of Trevor Lawrence being a freshman. Mm -hmm. And I think with the pressure in that type of atmosphere, even though we stepped up up until this point, we don't know what to expect should Notre Dame score first and put the pressure. So that's why I would lean to Notre Dame. And also the defensive talent that they have. I mean, that that's a real... Hillary. Yeah, Tillery, Julian Love, Tavon right. Coney. They have a real legitimate top 10 defense. Right. I respectfully disagree with Gabe. I, I, I think Oklahoma's in for... I, to me, I think the game is going to look an awful lot like Ohio State-Michigan. I, I really do. I, I think I think Alabama, if if Oklahoma trades scores for a while, I think Alabama's getting into the 50s, possibly one of those 62-39 type games with Michigan uh, and, and uh, Ohio State. I don't think they have any prayer of stopping the Alabama offense. Yeah, it should be interesting, and I guess that's the matchup that you want to see transpire in these semifinal games. Which team could establish their style of play early on? And I think for Notre Dame, too, those wide receivers, the height of Mack at the tight end and use, utilizing him on... Miles Boykin. Yeah, and yeah. utilizing them on nickelbacks or linebackers that aren't as fast or more importantly as tall could create jump ball opportunities for booking that offense if Gabe is right about Oklahoma let's let's say and I said it last week I mean I, Kyler Murray a decade ago I, and the, the way this led Texas over USC if that happens if Gabe is correct and this is one of those games where like wow Murray is just otherworldly I wonder if he starts to think if he beats Alabama's defense he seems passionate about football. I wonder if he considers maybe a career in the NFL. I think he does. I mean, from what I'm hearing now in, in terms of yeah. the rumblings, I think he sticks, sticks to football. Look at Russell Wilson. He's a hell of a football right, player. Right, Gabe? 
Yeah, you know what? There's that grumbling. Marshall Falk called it actually a couple of weeks ago on on, on a Sunday show. We brought it up, and he said, "Oh, yeah, Kyle, Murray will be a football player." He goes, "He ain't playing baseball." And we're like, "Really? He's already drafted." He goes, "He won't play baseball." And you know, it's funny because before the year started, though, what was Kyler Murray's draft stock? Right? Oh, he's too small. He's too this. He's too that. You know what it is, guys? There's something about it. That's why we're, we're doing this right now at 10 in the morning on a Saturday morning. <laughs> he can make money playing baseball. He can do this. You can do that. Football is just funner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's guys get sucked into it. If he can make big money playing football, I don't know, though. I mean, a lot of guys have won the Heisman and haven't been good NFL quarterbacks, right? I, if I was Kyler, I'd tell him, chill out on this football thing. I think it's more media. And I respect your guys' opinion. Of what you think of him going on, but I don't know. Is he how much better is he than Vernon Adams? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, he's a good college quarterback and, and a great system in Oklahoma. I don't know if he's taking over the National Football League. If I'm advising him, me personally, I'd say, hey, kid, don't keep your baseball hat on here. Have fun doing this. Your football career is not nearly over. You know, guaranteed contracts, but I don't know how good of a baseball player he is. Right. I mean, obviously, he's good. He's the ninth overall pick, but. Where does he get drafted in the NFL right now? Don't get caught up in the ESPN hype and the media hype or what Todd, you know, what Shea says or whatever. Think about your future here. And, you know, you're the ninth overall pick in baseball. You know, is he a third or fourth round pick? That's what I thought before. People said before he was a fourth or fifth round pick. Is he suddenly a first round pick because of the media hype? If I don't know what your take is, Joe, but if I'm him, I'm playing baseball still. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think another factor in terms of his draft stock is the, the progression of Lamar Jackson because that was the knock on Lamar Jackson of Louisville, better runner than he was a passer, now named the starter for Baltimore heading into this week's matchup. So if Kyler Murray knocks off Alabama and let's say does it with dynamic numbers, he could possibly, possibly be, I mean, the first quarterback. Take, it's not a huge, deep draft. Now, granted, we think there are other quarterbacks better in terms of pocket presence, but you never know in terms of pure athletes that could, that could propel him to a top five uh, overall pick. Yeah, my, my recommendation would be to stick with baseball. I, I think it's a safer bet, but who's to say that, you know, after a couple of years in the minor leagues, he realizes, A, can't hit a curveball, yeah. uh, B, the yeah. concept of standing out in center field when he's, he's an electrifying talent. And, and, you know, every so often you're going to get an opportunity to track down a ball in the gap you know, that looks That's like what it's Marshall good. said, Rich. Yeah, and, or how, how often he's going to get bored in the yeah, outfield. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's night bored. and day. I mean, this kid looks like his, you know, his essence is being on a football field, running through opposing yeah. defenses. That looks like it just completely energizes him. That kind of an athlete standing out in center field. I don't know. I mean, I wonder after maybe two years in Modesto, you know, in double A in Modesto, if he realizes Maybe I'll give football. I would not be surprised that point. at some point in his 20s, at some point, unless he's the second coming of Ricky Henderson out there for the A's, that this kid says, I got to try. I got to scratch that itch. Well, I think the one thing, too, is look at two quarterbacks that did go and play baseball, Brandon mm -hmm. Whedon and Drew Henson. In terms of yeah. they, came back. they did that, they came they back, but they didn't yeah. have the type of success, the consistent success at the NFL level. They, they showed rust, and I think that's a concern as well. If you're going to do it, you have to worry about if I come back, am I the same right. type of player in terms of timing, quarterback to wide receiver relationship? That could play a part into, into that factor as well. I can't, I can't disagree with that, and it's funny because a Michigan fan, uh, I think of Drew Henson as well. And what was crazy about Drew Henson, guys, he was going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. People were like, you're the number one quarterback. You're going to be probably the number one pick, number two pick in the NFL draft. He's like, he took $5 million to go play baseball. Mm. He was never the same quarterback after. It's amazing. I had Tom Brady's father on last year before the Super Bowl, and I brought up, I'm a Michigan fan, and I said, I remember Tom, Tom Brady Sr. I said, I remember Tom that Michigan fans, you know, Tom Brady won the MVP in the Orange Bowl. They beat Alabama and was like, all right, see you, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Let's go, Drew Henson. People were, like, salivating to see Drew Henson play. And then he throws that curveball because Steinbrenner throws a five mil. And as you said, Rich, he couldn't hit a curveball. <laughs> Tom Brady loved the fact that Drew Henson, you know, w went to the Yankees in, in that matchup. Uh, I mean, look at his career now yeah. at the NFL. So we'll see. You know what's funny, Joe? There's a YouTube video 
And I think it's got like half a million hits or something like that. And it's basically like Tom Brady about Tom Brady. And they use the interview in the video on YouTube, actually, of me and the father. And they show Tom Brady's father still to this day. This is how competitive these guys are. I said to him, I said, Tom, you know, I always got the feeling that Tom Brady would end up as a San Francisco 49er at some point of his career. You know, is he going to end his career if New England let him go? He goes, uh, no, he won't. I said, why not? Because he goes, they didn't draft us. And I asked him, I said, you know, you grew up a San Francisco 49er fan. You guys took Tom to games. He goes, I'm not a season ticket holder anymore. The day they didn't draft my kid, I stopped being a 49er backer. Hardcore. And I asked about Drew Henson. You know what the father said? Where's Drew right now? Yeah. Yeah, That's how competitive they are. They remember that. That's how competitive they are. Yeah, they are. And that's a concern if you're Kyler Murray. Now, granted, again, you worry about his body frame at the next level. To me, he needs to add about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle doing it at the collegiate level. But once you go to NFL defenses and front sevens, that constant pounding, whether you're running or, or in the pocket, that's going to take a toll on his body as well. He's a, he's a thick kid. He's thick and muscular. He's right. not wispy at all. He's just short, quite yeah. frankly. I mean, he's short, but he's stocky. And, and I think it was Marshall that said it last weekend. I think it was Marshall where he doesn't he, take a lot of hits. Exactly. Right? He doesn't take a lot of hits. It's not just the speed, but it's his elusiveness. He doesn't take a lot of direct content uh, contact. So, you know, whereas a, a statuesque type of a quarterback maybe gets whacked around a lot, you know, a, a DeAndre Francois at uh, Florida State took a lot of hits, doesn't have the mobility. Kyler Murray, I mean, watching him this year did not absorb a lot of contact. Whether that would translate to the NFL, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. It should be intriguing. Again, I think he wants to start fast. He wants to get into a rhythm. And that and that's the way they started against Georgia uh, last year. I mean, they, they really took it to an SEC defense. Now, for this offense to really progress in this matchup, for them, they're going to have to run the football with Kennedy Brooks right. and Trey Sermon to keep Tua and that offense on the sidelines because it, it'll preserve their front seven in that matchup as well. We haven't even talked about the fact that Hollywood Brown may not play in yeah. this game. I mean, so Oklahoma's best wide receiver, their most explosive talent, the kid who can stretch an opposing defense, so a Kennedy Brooks and a Trey Sermon have more running room. I don't know if he's going to play. So a lot's going to fall on CeeDee Lamb, Grant Calcaterra, their, their talented tight end. I mean, they have weapons. They can score. Alabama with a month to prepare, largely for one player. Boy, I tell you, that's going to be tough. Yeah, Gabe, in terms of the matchup with Notre Dame and Clemson, I mean, I look to the under in that ball game because, for me, the only way that Notre Dame can win is if they really do slow down tempo, much the way they did a few years ago when they lost that matchup in Death Valley by about two points. I hate betting. You know, in today's day and age, it's hard to bet unders. And especially, you know, 55, I hear what you're saying, though. I think Notre Dame is going to have a hard time moving a football uh, on these guys, but I know we're going to a break in a second. I got to be honest with you, I'm heartbroken right now. I thought the game started at noon. <laughs> <laughs> what are I'm you going like, to do oh, for those two I'm hours? Like, I'm all excited. I, I'm like a kid. I really am. I looked, I'm like, all right, man, we're an hour <laughs> from kickoff, man. Let's go Lafayette. Let's do this. It's a 1 30. It's a 1 30 kick. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the New Mexico Bowl and we'll be breaking down Tulane and UL Lafayette. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Marenzi live from Studio 34. Keep it where it is. <laughs> 